0: Next Sunday is Baptism Sunday. I want to encourage you. There's actually a, a connect form in your that the orange bulletin right there. Uh, if if that's something that you've made a decision recently to follow Jesus with all your heart is something that um, you've not done before. It's been a long, long time. Baptism is a, is a step that we make in obedience to what Jesus has said and also to what he's done. It's supernatural. It's, an, it's a supernatural thing. It looks natural because you're just getting in the water and then you go under the water and you come back out. You were dry and now you're covered in water. It just looks like normal. The thing is, is, is God's done a miracle on the inside of you and on the inside of me. So that's next week. I want to encourage you to sign up for that if you've not uh, uh, done a baptism. We have uh, small groups have started, small groups launched. We had that a couple weeks ago. Now it's a perfect time to get involved. Thank you, small group coordinator. All right. It's perfect time to get involved with small groups uh, for a lot of reasons at our church. I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, lastly, uh, today is our birthday, so we do have a lot of fun stuff afterwards for um, us to just hang out and mostly eat food. And so Linz will tell you more about that as we, uh, as we get to the end of the service. God's done so much in our church over the past uh, two years. Some of you guys have been able to see a few photos. We had a few photos on the, on the screen. We'll probably do some more afterwards. Um, we've, we've done a lot, a lot of stuff. And I was trying to rack my brain on just a lot of the things that we've done. We've, we've actually helped feed over 10,000 people and families right here in Huntsville over the past two years. We've given, you guys are going to have to, we, I got a few things to say. Y'all gonna have to hold that applause. All right. I'm about to roll through it. We've given uh, over $12,000 to help plant more than 40 churches right here in the U.S. in the past two years. We've built new beds for local kids here without a place to sleep. We've uh, given joy boxes to the Harris home. We've given grocery cards and Christmas gifts to moms at Lincoln Village. We've given children's gifts to the Children's Advocacy Center. We've given over 100 gift baskets full of laundry and cleaning supplies to Summit Housing. We've given weekend bags for the women's shelter. We've had people come to faith. We've had people baptized, find hope, families healed and transformed. We've seen people get connected and serving. And in small groups, we've seen people find a church family. All the while, we have navigated a worldwide pandemic. And still, we're only two years old, and the best is yet to come. We have so much more. Now you can clap. I've, I've, I've listed. The... Let me just tell you something God's done it. God's done it. Over 80% of our church life, uh, as, uh, when I say church, I mean the people, us gathered together, has been um, during a pandemic. And so it's been, it didn't surprise God, it just created a big, old, huge opportunity. For him to do, I think, in a lot of ways, some things that he's wanted to do with his church for a long time. And we're a part of that. And I'm thrilled and excited to be a part of that. In fact, um, we, I took this time over the past several weeks to be in a series called From Tent to Table. And uh, we're in that series right now. I'm going to uh, um, read our passage of Scripture this morning. It's found in James chapter 2. This is a portion of Scripture written by Jesus' brother. All right. Jesus's brother, James, was not a Jesus follower while Jesus was here on earth. It's going to be kind of hard to get your family to follow sometimes. All right. And so Jesus, even Jesus couldn't get his brother until he rose from the grave. And so if your own brother is going to believe in you and follow you, I think I think Jesus has something to say here. So James is right in James chapter two. Here's our text beginning in verse two. My brothers and sisters, that's your church family right there. Believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Everybody say favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand here or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, verse 8, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin. You sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said you shall not commit adultery said you shall not murder. He said if you don't commit adultery but do commit murder, you become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who's not been merciful. But mercy, everybody say mercy. Mercy, mercy triumphs over judgment. Our series from tent to table is just that. We're looking at God's presence represented in the tabernacle or the tent in the Old Testament when Jesus, uh, when um, Uh, God's people, the Hebrew children, didn't really know God's ways. And so he revealed himself through his law and through his commandments. And also he said here, he he showed them how to build, basically build their church, build the tabernacle. And it was in a tent. And when Jesus shows up, he ushers in God's presence as a man, but also as God here on earth. And so it shifts from this tent where they used to go to meet God's presence all the way to Jesus. And some of the best places in scripture where we see who Jesus is, it is when he's sitting at a table and he's eating with other people. Somebody told me recently, they said, man, I, I like, I, I, they, um, they said, man, I like how often you talk about food in your sermons. We actually were eating dinner when they said that. And I was like, well, that's a big deal. It's important. Food's a big deal. We see it in Jesus that every time we see some of the, some of the we, we catch, we um, a revelation of who Jesus is so often when he's at the table. And so this morning, we're looking at, we've noticed how our families all kind of have collectively their own personality, their own voice. You think about, you know, eating, you know, family dinner, if you guys ever did that, or, or maybe some of your closest friends and you get together, they almost, care, they almost have their own, their own voice, their own personality there. And so we're looking at what is Jesus's, the church, his his body, the body of Christ, what what should be that personality? What should be those values there? What is it like at Jesus's table? And what kind of values is he trying to establish? I remember going to, uh, I was in college and I went to college to become a pastor. And um, in my undergrad, I was in Florida, and I, I was, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever done this or even heard of this. I had a, um, I joined a club at school and it was called the Preaching Club. All right, sounds thrilling, doesn't it? So the reason I did it was because I had a class where I was supposed to preach for the class. It was the first time I ever really did it. I was like 20 years old and I was like, oh, this is gonna be a breeze. I love it. And I'd never done it before. Well, I stood in front of the class and I was scared to death in front of every, I was so nervous. And I got done and I was like, this is not, this is not good. You can't be a pastor and not want to talk. So I was like, what am I going to do? I need to either quit or join the preaching club. So that's what I did. It was a real thing. I was in Florida. And so basically the coordinator of it would send you to go preach at random places. There were a lot of, of uh, Central Florida is filled with these incredible communities called retirement communities. All right. (laughs) is 55 and older, and, and these, these groups, they would all, uh, a lot of them had this, they would all um, live in their, their um, uh, retirement community, but they would have a church there. A lot of them would have a church, and they would just all, if those that went to church, they'd all go to like the same one. So I go to one, Zephyr Hills Church. It was just interdenominational. You had all kinds of people in there. And so we're sitting in there. I preach the word. I preach fire. I preached straight fire. No, I'm kidding. I was nervous. I, was, I thought, I'm 20 years old. What do I have to say to these sweet people? And they sat and listened and uh, were so kind. And afterward, I went to the, door, uh, to, the, to the door out of the auditorium. I didn't grow up going to church like this. Maybe you guys did. Where I stood there and I shook everybody's hand on the way out. Anybody ever grow up in a church where you stand at the door and you shake everybody's hand? Yeah. I'm not doing that here. So... I go back there and and well it's COVID so I'm I'm sitting back there or I'm standing there and I'm shaking hands and this guy comes up to me and um people are saying oh thank you pastor thank you and I felt so honored like here I am this kid legitimately a child standing there and um oh, thank you pastor and this guy comes up and he looks me dead in the eyes and, and he and I have my hand out he does not stick his hand out and I'm and he goes hey I said yes sir he goes You ain't from Africa. And I went, no. And he said, they told me we had a missionary from Africa today. I said, no, sir, I'm from Alabama. And he looks at me and just does this. Puts his head down and walks out. And I just went, this is persecution, guys. This is real persecution. This is where it's at. Right behind him, this other guy, this sweet man, he's smiling just smiling. He looks at me, and he sticks his hand out. And I'm like, okay, good. And I, and I go to shake his hand, and there's something in his hand. And he says, God bless you, son. Don't listen to him. And I went, and, I, and he pulled his hand back. And somebody told me later this is called a Pentecostal handshake. I don't know if this is true or not. But I had three $20 bills in my hand. He palmed me money. And I was like, I'm coming back. I'll be back. I thought, dude, never... You know, that's church though. That's church. You don't ever know what you're going to get. You don't ever know at church. It is, it's full of all kinds of people. All the the diversity of the body of Christ is awesome. It's awesome. And this is what James is dealing with at his church. The problem is it's been 20 years since Jesus left and his church in Jerusalem is already struggling. They got special rules for people that have nice things and people that don't have nice things. We're going to put you over here and we're going to put them over here. It's the word there is partiality or favoritism. What it means is an unfair bias in favor of someone or something based upon external criteria rather than biblical criteria. It's a huge problem in the church, really from the beginning all the way up until now. I mean, we might, we might turn and say, well, that, that, never, that never happens to me. I, you know, I treat everybody the same. I, I, I always treat everybody the same. But that's, I think, one of the reasons is because we live in one of the most uh, disunified times in our country. I, I, I think, from what I can tell. And even in the church, if we don't like or we have some frustrations or we have difficulties or we get mad or whatever, there's so many options at least where we are in the South. And so we could just go to wherever we want, filled with a bunch of people. And if you, search, if you search good enough, I think you may be able to find a place filled with people all that look and sound just like you. The problem is this, is that's not the beauty of the church. That's not the diversity of the body of Christ. It's still division, it's just quieter because we can just kind of, Find a group that we like that we feel like there's no, there's no tension there. And I think God grieves. God grieves the division in the church. And so we can't, as a church, remain indifferent both inside the church and outside. God grieves it. In fact, John chapter 17, this is Jesus' prayer. And he says this. this. is one of his last prayers before he goes to the cross. He says this. My prayer is not for them alone, talking about the disciples... My prayer, I pray also for those who will believe. So that's a lot of you that are in here. This is, this, these are Jesus's words, his prayer for you and for me. If, if Jesus were to walk in the room and he were to come over to you and he was going to say, I have a prayer. Would you like for me to pray for you? How many of you would want to hear Jesus's prayer for you? I want to hear Jesus's prayer for me. Yeah, <laughs> that's like one of those questions like, everybody, you have to have your hand up. You know, it's just one of them. Yeah, this is it. This is his prayer for you. He says, I pray for those that will believe. And this is what he says. Who will believe in me through their message that all of them, what? May be one. Here's my prayer. Everybody that will believe through their message. Here it is. I want them all to be one. I want them to be together. I want them to be unified. If that is God's prayer for you and for me, it's the first thing that we read. How important is it? as a value of the church, that we prioritize unity. How important is it to Jesus? It's so important. He's he's grieved by disunity. So we have to make it a priority. So he says this, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, as as we're talking Trinity, we're talking like real deal level like theology here, he just just put it right here. This This is as deep and as rich as it gets. Just like we are one, may they also be in us so that the world may believe you sent me. I've given them the glory you gave me that they may be, what's that word do I say? One. As we are one. I in them, you in me. So they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you loved me. So our table value today is this, that unity is our prayer. Unity is our prayer. Why such a strong focus on unity? Here's why. Because Jesus says it in the text. Verse 21, it's who God is. He's one with the, Father, with the Father and the Holy Spirit. It is in His person that God is in union, in oneness, in unity with Himself. It's who God is. And so wouldn't you expect the body of Christ also to reflect who God is? The other reason is this. So that the world will know who God is. Verse 21, so the world may believe. How does the world know? How does the world know who God is? Is it when the greatest Christian orator stands on stage with a microphone and says, now this is how they're going to believe? It doesn't say that. It says they're going to know through their unity. So, if, they, if the world knows who Jesus is through their unity, what do they know through our disunity? So, this is, this is what unity is not. Unity is not niceness. Unity isn't just being sweet and nice. Is not, this is not a message on be nice. Don't leave here and hear these words, be nice. You should be nice. That's a good thing. We should do that. But that's a, that is a, a shallow and a cheap message on unity, it's not enough. It's not, it's not just niceness. It's not, you know, hand-holding and, and, and kumbaya and, and, and agreeing on everything. It's not even agreeing on everything. Unity is this. It's oneness. It's mutual submission. In fact, we see it in Ephesians chapter 4. Paul writes this and he says, As a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble, gentle, gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the, what's that word there? Unity of the spirit through the bond of peace because there's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in in all. What What is unity? It's humility, it's gentleness, it's patience, it's bearing with one another in love, in practice. That is, the, that is the, the soil of unity. That's where unity grows. And so real quick, I have three steps for unity. Now look, we could, we could be, I could preach a series a year long. We could be a church that's just called Unity Church. We could, like, like there's a lot to say about unity. And so this is just, this is first step. All right, we're gonna, we're gonna dig in first step. First um, step. First series, table values, unity is our prayer. What is, what's the first one? The first one is this. We could do like Jesus and pray for unity. Pray for it. If you've been in our series so far from Tent to Table, you you may have picked up. um, All my first points are all the same. So (laughs) they all have to do with with, um, seeing God's presence already there and already active and praying for God to reveal himself. It's the same thing. And so if Jesus prays for unity, wherever there's disunity, what is our first response? Prayer. Prayer, there's a lot of challenges with prayer. One of them, sometimes it's, we think it's hard. The other time is, the, at least in my life, the times I need to pray most are the times I don't want to pray. I want to pray the least. Is that true for you? You, you ever gotten like real mad before? Maybe not y'all, I have. You ever gotten real mad before? Did you, where you were so angry and you were like, I can't wait to pray. You ever done that before? No, Lord, no, nobody does that. You're just not so angry that you just turn around and go, I can't wait to pray to God. He can't wait to hear my anger. But that's like half of the Psalms. David and the psalmist, they're praying and they're like, God, I'm, I'm so angry right now. God knows your emotions. He knows your state. He knows where you are. He knows who you are. You ever, you ever just in the middle of just some, just sin? You're in the middle of sin. And you're like, I can't wait to pray about this. You ever thought that? No. No, you're like, I don't want to think about God right now. Yet, in those moments, God, God knows who you are, where you are, and more about you than you will ever know about yourself. So what do we do? When we're in moments of disunity, we we pray first. Where do you need unity? You need it at work? You need unity at work? Do you need unity in your marriage? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Oneness. That's, that's what we need. We need in, 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 in your relationships, at home. We're, we're desperate for unity. So what do we do? We, we pray first, even though we don't feel like it, because it activates our faith. We pray first. Second one is this. We look for unity. So we pray for unity. We look for unity. We look for places where there's favoritism, where we see there's partiality going on, and then we move toward it to adjust it. There's only one time in my life, only one time in my life, I was the teacher's pet. It was third grade. It was the first semester of third grade, and I was loved. I felt truly loved by my teacher. Ms. Townsend was the greatest teacher that's ever lived. I was in Florida and she picked me for everything and it was obvious and everybody knew it in the class and I didn't care. I was straight up the favorite. Then we moved to Alabama. Thanks, Mom and Dad. And I got the worst teacher ever. I'm not going to name her name even though we know she's not in church this morning. So, just kidding. I need help. I need to pray right now. So, and it's the, it was the best and the worst in that moment. And I've, and I never in my life could see more clearly direct, like favoritism, but there's direct favoritism and there's indirect favoritism. It's hard to put your, hard to put your finger on it. And it's funny when you're in third grade, it's not so funny when you're a lot older. In, in, indirect favoritism is harder to, it's is harder to see, it's harder to notice. But most of the most of the partiality or the favoritism we see is, is indirect. And so you got to look for it. you got to look for it. You've got to put your eyes on you. are like, I'm not used to this. Where, 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 where do I see it? And it, and it looks like this. It's, it's when we never really see the invisible people that are among us. It's, it's, and, the, and I could list a, a, a million where in different environments they would be or I would be or you would be invisible in those moments. You're looking, you're talking about um, kids, kids oftentimes, uh, widows, women, uh, those of other races. If you're in the majority, it's on on you to make the move first toward unity. Uh, The poor, those struggling with their faith, the non educated, introverts, those in broken families, the depressed, those with PTSD. The the invisible among us, those are invisible, uh, some of those are invisible wounds that are in here. And so what, what, what do we do? We look for places where there's partiality occurring and then we move toward it. Colossians 3 is Paul's response to favoritism. He says, here in the kingdom of God, there is no Jew, there is no Gentile. There's no male, female, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. The labels are gone. All are equal at the foot of the cross. That's where Jesus sees where favoritism belongs. And so what do we do? We, We pray first always. And then we look for it in our families or in our work or wherever we are. And the last one is this, we work for unity. We actually put in the work. We move toward it. The greatest place of disunity is also the place, to me, I think that requires the least amount of effort. The greatest place that I see of disunity is the place that requires the least amount of effort. You know where that is? Online. (laughs) Isn't it? You you get on social media, it requires no effort. You just, you can lay there. You could be like half asleep with one eye closed. And all you got to do is this. You just... You scroll. You just, it doesn't require anything. But then, but then this, this like algorithm collects everything somehow about you and adapts it and shapes it and forms it to you. And so while we're scrolling, we're being basically mapped out and seeing only our interests in those things, it's feeding us what we already like and what we already agree with. It's just, what does it do? It's just, and that's what we see. It's our personal echo chamber. You know, I, I think where it is the opposite of most of our social media feeds? The church. I think it's the church. I think it's a healthy church. There's no escaping the, the uniqueness and diversity of the true body of Christ. There's, there's, no, there's, no, there's no getting out of it. How many of you... Um, how many of you guys grew up in church and you look back and you're like, I grew up in church and I grew up with some straight up characters. Like I look back and I remember and I'm thinking, oh yeah, there were, oh, good old, you know, fill in the blank, whoever it was. But you look, you look back, some of those, now some of those you look back on and you go, man, I, 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 think, God was, I think God was in that. I think God was, God was in that. You know why? Because the body of Christ is diverse. There's no escaping the uniqueness of the body. You know, Jesus' disciples, you know, they, if Jesus wasn't in the middle of it, they would have killed each other, legitimately. Like there were a couple on there that hated each other and wanted to kill each other. There was uh, Matthew, the tax collector, who was basically the, um, everybody hated him because he was taking money from his own people. And then in that group, there was a couple of people. One of them, Simon um, the Zealot. Zealot, his name was because that group of people was known for hurting, injuring, and sometimes even killing those people that were in the way of seeing the Messiah show up. And so, guess who was in the way? Matthew. Jesus put on his team people that, outside of him being in the middle of it, wanted to see each other die. That was his twelve. What do you think that? What do you think those conversations were like? Do you think he just walked around the whole time like this trying to keep people away from each other? That, those, were, those were his people. So unity comes at a cost, but it commands a blessing. And we've never seen, we've nev- I, I don't think, we've seen any move in world history like that that we saw when the disciples, when Jesus left and went to back to be with the Father and the disciples left and, and the church began. We've never seen a move like that in world history. Why? Because they became one. Why? Because Jesus prayed for it. So so what do we do? So I I think we start small. I don't think we can fix the world, but we can work on our own heart. You start small, but you you, you can start with your own heart. So what is is the biggest value needed when working for unity? I think it's mercy. James chapter 2 At the end, verse 12, we see it. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Speak and act, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who's not been merciful, but mercy triumphs over judgment. Why mercy? Why mercy out of all the values? Why would He put that? Why would He put mercy on there? Why? Because we need, you need, and I need to be forgiven. We need to be forgiven. And the only time there's going to be unity and oneness in our relationships, in our in our families, in where we work, in our marriages, you know why? The only time it's going to be there is when there's forgiveness, because you and I are always going to do something that needs forgiveness. Mercy triumphs over what? Judgment. What is the key value to see unity? Mercy. What happens when we get this right? I think it's the more unity we see, the more of God's spirit, and then the more of God's power. The greatest revivals in world history started with the church that was unified. Started with them coming together where there was unity. That's where that's where it began. I'll i um, never forget. I, I I grew up going to a church where um, we had special uh, a special song. We had we had praise and worship like we have here this morning. And then we had a special song every Sunday. It was usually during like in between like music and, and somebody preaching or um, uh, so sometime during the service, there was a special song. Anybody ever go to church where you had the special music? All right. Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up, there were special songs every week. Never fail. Always there. I'll be honest with you. The, the most, the, the one that I remember the most, there's a couple of them, definitely top five. The one that was most impactful and beautiful to me was, I, I, I'll never forget it. I can remember it. I'll remember it all my life. It was, some, it was from somebody who actually didn't have the gift of singing. <laughs> it, it, they didn't even have the gift of singing. Uh, he, he, had a, he had a different gift. And um, it was a time in a church, there was a lot of, looking back, I didn't realize at the time, there was a lot of tension in the church, in fact, there had been some people that, a, a big group of people that had uh, gotten frustrated with a, with a handful of things they were upset about and had left. And you, you ever walked into an environment, it, it, you have because this happened in our own homes, where you walk in and you can feel tension? You can feel it. There's a phrase, you can cut the tension with a knife, right? You can feel tension you feel it. And you, and, and, and you can also feel unity. You know what it feels like? Freedom. And so I walked into the, um, the service. It was Sunday night service. We had Sunday night services. We were, we were for real Christians. So we, we walked in, and um, there was going to be a special speaker. Uh, I mean, not a special speaker. Uh, uh, it was almost time for the, the special song. And um, uh, Greg got up to sing. Now, Greg was a part of our church. He had been attending for... A couple of years by himself, he was older than me. He was in his, I think he was in his later 20s at the time. Very, so kind. He'd sit there and talk to you, uh, attended by himself. Uh, Greg also had special needs, though, and so he, he would talk with you, but never look at you in the eyes. He'd always look down or look somewhere else. You'd ask him questions, and he'd he'd answer. And and um, it was a joy to have a part of the church. So one day we go in, and. Service is going on, and I see Greg stand up, and then his mom was with him, and I just met his mom. And they go up to the front and they go stand on stage, um, unlike up here where we have the floor, and um, stand on stage, and his mom gets on the piano, and it's just super simple. It's just as simple. And um, and the and, and they introduce Greg, they say, Greg has a special song for us tonight. And so I'm thinking, Greg's singing. All right. And so Greg starts to sing and he sings a song that only has a couple lines. Lasts about two minutes long. And there was one line that he repeated over and over again. It was almost the entirety of the song. And he just said it over and over again. And so he starts to sing and he says these words. He says, we are one body, one body in Christ and we do not stand alone. And then he just... Says that line, and everybody's singing, and it's kind of like when you're supportive—you're sitting in the seat and you're supportive, like some of you guys are doing to me—and you're like, you just. And so we're sitting there, and but he starts to say it, and he says it again. It's it's there's only a few lines. That's the only line that I remember the song. He starts to repeat himself over and over again. We are one body, one body in Christ, and we do not stand alone. And so we're listening, and we. And all of a sudden you start to feel the tension in the room starts to get thick. And he is singing this song. It could have been the best singer on planet earth and they would not have been able to touch the message that was coming from his mouth. And you just felt, I looked around the room and people just started crying. Tears are welling up in people's eyes. He sings this phrase over and over, two minutes long. We are one body, one body in Christ, and we do not stand alone. And the church is just, whew. Greg got it. Greg got it. There's a lot of us in that church, a lot of people that had left at the time. It took a lot for us to get it. But Greg got it. The Spirit of God was on him, and he gave a message. And so the message I have for you this morning is super simple. In fact, I'm going to share it, and I want you, there's a a communion cup in your seat. I want you to go ahead and grab that. Here's, Here's the message. Unity comes at a cost. It costs us, but it commands a blessing. And before we do another thing this morning for our birthday service... I want to take communion together. You want to know why? Because it is there where everybody's equal at the foot of the cross. Everybody's equal at the foot of the cross. And so, what do we do? We remember what Jesus has done. We remind ourselves who we are in His grace, and we receive that together. There's no lines, there's no compartments, there's no labels. Whatever label you felt like you had or ever have been given. It is oneness at the foot of the cross. And this morning, we are going to, we, we are claiming to make that a core value of our church. Unity is our prayer. And so you've got the elements uh, in, in front of you. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and the cup and he was, had it in front of his disciples and he said, this is my body, this is my body that's broken for you. They didn't know entirely what he was saying in that moment, but they do now, and we do now. He says, this is my body that was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so this morning, what I would like for you to do is, if you are okay, if you're comfortable, and if you believe that Jesus His body and his blood was shed for you. If you believe that, this morning you can receive forgiveness for your sins. And you can together with this this body of Christ right here, you can become a part of his family. So as an act of faith, all of those that are a part of his family and all of those that want to be to receive forgiveness this morning, we're going to take the bread together. Would you do that this morning? Then Jesus took the cup and he said, this is my blood that was spilled for you. It's poured out for you and for me. Father, this morning, your body was broken for us. Your blood spilled out. God, now we are one body in Christ before you. So God, we thank you for the blood that was spilled for us. God, we receive your grace this morning. For today, for yesterday. For tomorrow, God, make us one. We receive it. In Jesus' name, you take the cup. Let's pray. God, this morning, we're so grateful to be in this place. The most important thing we can do is to worship you and to receive your grace today. We could list a million things of your faithfulness just with us at this church, this time, today. God, but before we do anything else, God, we want to worship you and again receive your grace. God, I pray that you would do what you said you would do, uh, what your prayer was, to make your church one. There's such power. There's power and there's blessing where your unity is. It's good. It's good when the family of God dwells in unity. So God, I pray you would do that this morning. Establish it. Make it so in our church and in these people. God, every person in this room, God, experiencing brokenness and disunity, whether it's in relationships or in their career, God, in their frustration with where they are versus where they want to be, God, disunity in their own soul. They believe some things. They don't believe others. There's this tension. God, I pray that you would breathe your peace, your joy, God, and oneness into their life this morning. God, may they experience your presence like they never have before, right now. Jesus name. Amen.
1: Well good morning. I'm so happy you guys are out here with us to, uh, to worship together and also to celebrate two years. I won't go into all the stuff because Joel already did but it's a big day and it's an exciting day. Did I just sling that off? Sorry. I slung the rest of that communion off. I can tell because it's on my connection card, which I'm going to tell you about. We've got connection cards in every chair. Um, if it's your first time here with us at Four Corners, we're so excited that you came. If it's your first time online with us, uh, we're thrilled that you joined in with us as well. There's connection cards uh, in the chairs. There's also a connection card link in the feed. I'd love the chance to just write you a little note thanking you for coming and being with us today. Um, I would. I, I promise I won't like, show up at your house i'm not going to call you uh but i would love to to be able to reach out we're excited to have um more people uh, come in and be a part of this wonderful church family we've got. For those of you who have been here, if you need to connect with us in any way, there's places to um, check mark on the bottom about serving, small groups, all of that. Uh, if you have your own thing you need to connect with us about, just write it on there. We're real people that read these, so <laughs> we uh, we want to be able to help you any way that we can. On the back side, there is um, an Ask God and Thank God if you've got something you want our church prayer team to be praying with you about or celebrating uh, what God has done for you, let us know. Well, that, that is a joy and an honor to lift up your prayers to the Lord. If you want to either, I would say leave it in the chairs, but today's going to be a little busy. So if you want to leave it at one of the high top tables in um, the bucket, or you can just give it to me either way. Um, we will collect those and reach out to you sometime this week. I do want to say thank you also for those who are giving to Four Corners Church. When you listed all the things that we've done over the last two years, it almost made me cry because I just thought, you know, it's been a a lot of it, kind of a blur. And I mean that just because COVID knocked out like a year of everybody's life, you know, and you're like... What in the world? And then as he listed it, I remembered so many of the opportunities we had came in the middle of COVID. And um, and there are people in this church that just said, Nope, I found an opportunity and, and grabbed our church people and we, we did and blessed when people felt so alone. And I just want to say thank you. If you've given ever to Four Corners Church, you're a part of that. You're part of what he got to list. The churches we got to help plant. The people we got to help reach, you're part of that. So I want to say thank you. Um, If you are wanting uh, to give to Four Corners Church, you can do that online by text or cash or check. And you can leave it in um, the silver bucket on the high top table. So let me pray real quick over um, just the the offering tithes and offerings of today. And then I'll explain something and we can all go eat because that's what I want to (laughs) do. Jesus, thank you for... Four Corners Church, thank you for the people that make Four Corners Church. And um, I thank you for those in our city that we are going to be able to reach. Uh, I I look forward to seeing the hope of Jesus spreading out because we are unified here as a body. And we are on a mission to bring the kingdom of God uh, here on earth. And I just, I'm thrilled. I'm excited. And I pray that you would um, multiply the tithes and offerings so that we can use them for your glory, for your name throughout our city to reach them. And I I pray also you would do what you say you do. You um, You will bless those who are cheerful givers. You tell us to be cheerful givers. And that is what this church has been. Generous. And I pray a generosity from you, God, over their family, in their workplace, in everything they do. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, just a couple things. I know you guys know how to eat, so I'm not going to tell you that, but <laughs> for those of you with children like me, we are going to lift this uh, big door that's like right over there. It's like, it's like, well, you can barely see it. It's like one of those. We're going to lift it because Taco Mama has set up all their food under a huge tent, so you don't have to get wet, um, but it will be open to the parking lot. If you have children, just be mindful there is an exit now (laughs) that they can run out of. So please pick your kids up after service, and then you can head over and get in line and all that. Um, We've got, like I said, um, Big Taco Mama Bar. We've got Regal Cupcakery. Um, Pick a cupcake or two or three, doesn't matter. There's minis, there's jumbos, there's all sorts of fun stuff, and they're super good. I've got a fun face painter. Adults, you can do that. There's really, what? (laughs) I've got a face painter no, Um, and it's in the baby room, um, so kids can get that done, it's super fun, obviously the yard games are not happening, because it's underwater out of there, so um, uh, but what I did want to say is this, I remember my home, uh, you've talked about the table so often, and how each of us have a memory of being at the table, and um, every holiday was never just our family, my dad or my mom or somebody brought somebody, so we were adding people, and it wasn't fancy. It wasn't formal. It was just grab your food and be together. And um, it it was the best because there was no like stress of how it's supposed to look. I want to encourage you today. We can't go outside. You can, but it's raining. So we can't go outside. Make this your table. We are not scared to get food on the on the chairs or on the floor or whatever. You can move them. You can circle them. I've got some table. I just want, I know some people are like, well, it's the sanctuary. No, now it is the table, and we're going to eat and hang together. And so meet somebody you don't know in a fellowship, because that is why we're doing it. Let's celebrate together. I look forward to it. Um, And I'm done. Do you want
0: to talk? Thank you. Hey, uh, I want to pray a blessing over you as we go eat. All right, so would you do this? Would you stand up? Hold your hands out like this for me. May you experience today, tomorrow, this week, and the rest of your life, may this morning be a gift of oneness and unity personally for you and the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, as well as every person in your life. May you experience a new grace for oneness and unity everywhere you are and everywhere you go. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's do this.